This is Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast featuring women who work in sport. And I am Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard, bringing you those interviews. I hope you all are having a great week. Um, I'm having a good week. I would like to thank you all for your comments and reviews and all of that on all of the social and all the different podcatchers. Um, a reminder that you can um, hit subscribe on whatever podcatcher you are listening to us on now so that you get all of these the minute that they're available. And, you know, you could share it with a friend, I bet, who would like it. Also, join in on our conversations at our private Facebook group. You just search Leveling the Playing Field group on um, Facebook and just hit join, answer a couple very important questions, um, and we'll let you in. And then, of course, we are on Twitter and Instagram at LTPFPOT. Um, I'm really excited about this interview because it brings us to an area of sport that we don't often talk about, and that's HR. And before you roll your eyes, like you already know what it's going to be about because you've had jobs, you know what HR is. I don't know that you will definitely do because there are some really fascinating parts of the HR world that I didn't even know about. Um, and I ask a lot of questions. <laughs> per usual. Um, So our guest is Celeste Bell, and she is the senior director at Major League Baseball for Talent Acquisition. Um, She's an energetic, inspiring human resources professional who is passionate about life and dedicated to bringing out the very best in others. Um, And she definitely exudes um, that positivity and um, in this interview. Her career path, however, is fairly interesting because like so many others, she doesn't have that straight path. Um, You know, she went to school, she got into a major that she decided she didn't actually want to do the exact thing that she was meant to do. You know, she didn't want to be an athletic trainer like she thought she would, but finished out the degree and then um, had a couple of internships. But you know, in between, she, you know, was interviewing but not getting roles in sports. So she became a flight attendant, which, how cool is that? And um, got to go on some pretty cool vacations that I'm a little jealous about um, using her, her free um, miles and all that stuff, the little benefits that they get. But she kept really trying to get into sports and again, got in and, um, continued on the side to be a flight attendant for a couple of years, even when she had a full, her first full-time job with the NBA. Um, she's been with Major League Baseball for almost 10 and a half years, and she is about to make another big pivot, which is pretty exciting for her. Um, and we talk a little bit about that as well. Um, and then the other thing that we talk about is... Um, I play like a girl and, or play like a girl. I'm sorry. I play like a girl is their handle on um, all of the social. So play like a girl is a really great national organization that um, focuses on, um, you know, empowering girls. It's this hip, innovative and inspiring resource for women and girls um, powered by a creative online network, um, targeted community outreach and popular live events. They're based in Nashville, Tennessee, and they're um, dedicated to advancing girls' health and empowerment through the transformative power of sport and physical activity. Um, 
it's a really great organization. I've got a friend who's on the board um, and he's fantastic. And so, you know, one of those organizations that we love here at LTPF. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy this interview with Celeste Bell and um, I'm not going to keep you from it. So here you go. Here's Celeste Bell. Hey, Celeste. Hello, Bobby Sue. How are you? I am great. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to ask you what I ask everyone at the beginning, which is, how did you fall in love with sports? Oh, man. It, uh, it started actually early for me. I, um, I am the only girl out of five children, so I have four brothers. Whoa. And I was... Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of forced into sports early on. Um, They weren't going to play with dolls. So I had to play with balls. And so um, it started with basketball. That's what that's the sport that I um, fell in love with first. Um, And and just end up really playing everything, you know, um, because they played everything. I really did learn how to play everything. So um, it started early for me, like probably as soon as I started walking. How um, or what did you play when you got up into like, you know, the ages where you could be part of teams? Yeah. So um, basketball was my sport. Um, I, uh, I started with AAU. Um, so we were traveling and um, and then, you know, started playing, you know, played in uh, middle school, didn't play through high school and college. Um, I ended up dropping out, of, you know, dropping out. uh you know, at the end of middle school, but, um, so basketball was the, was the team sport that I played, but, but I've also, um, I've also always been a runner. Um, so that, that's something that I've done, you know, forever. Yeah. I've also, I've also picked up golf over time. So as one does when they're an intern with the LPGA and USGA. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, did you, how did you even know about the exercise and sports science program at UNC Greensboro and how did you make the decision to go there for school? Yeah. So I, um, it's funny. I initially, um, I initially wanted to go to the university of Tennessee and become a volunteer. Uh, I wanted to try to walk on, you know, and play basketball for Pat summit. Uh, I had this big dream of like going Mm -hmm. and playing you know, even though I didn't play, you know, in high school, I wanted to pick it back up and walk on. Um, and then I changed my mind <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and just realized that, you know, it was really expensive to go out of state um, and, you know, looked at, you know, schools in state. And I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. Greensboro um, was only about an hour and a half. It's only about an hour and a half away from Charlotte. So still close enough to my parents. It was far enough away from my family, but still close enough that I could get home if I wanted to every weekend. And I did that, you know, um, you know, early and then kind of let go, you know, cut the cord. Um, mm-hmm. and so, uh, yeah, I, I chose UNCG more so because it's a good school, but also proximity, um, you know, to my family, to my home, And then in terms of the major, um, when I started, I initially wanted to be an athletic trainer. Like that was the goal. Mm -hmm. And so, um, 
you know, exercise and sports science, you know, was right in line with that. Um, my concentration was sports medicine. And uh, again, yeah, I thought I was going to be an athletic trainer until I did a couple internships and then I realized, oh, wait, no, I don't actually think I want to be an athletic trainer. <laughs> I like this, but I can't see myself doing it forever. And um, at that time, because uh, sports management programs weren't like super popular, like there were a few across the country, but, you know, um, they really hadn't taken the country by storm by, you know, at that point in time, like my school didn't have a sports management program. So if I switched to something that was more business related and business driven, it would have added another year um, Mm. for the switch. And so um, I ended up getting that, you know, degree in exercise and sports science, even though, of course, I didn't end up working in it. Which I think is fine, you know, is obviously fine because you're working in sport. Um, (laughs) Exactly. I, uh, I'm like the bio classes would have been what did me in. <laughs> yeah. And they almost did me in. <laughs> that is it, you know, um, what I, what I realized though. Um, so I didn't love physics, like straight physics, but then, uh, I took a biomechanics class and realized, Oh, this is the application of physics, like in sport, you know, it, like it's, it was great to see the application of physics, like in real world use versus Mm -hmm. just learning, you know, like all of these formulas, you know, that I didn't feel like I was ever going to use. So yeah, it was great to actually see that like in practice. How did you, you got a really nice, like five month long internship with the ACC. How did, how did that come about? Well, I, um, I've always been, I I don't know, I won't say aggressive, but um, I'd say proactive and um, I'll call people until they call me back. I'm that type of person. And so I, um, again, at that time, there was no LinkedIn. There was no like, you know, none of these sites exactly where you can like just Google somebody and get their information and connect with them online. All of that didn't exist. You know, that hadn't come about yet. And so I found her, um, you know, just by way of like some research and, uh, and I didn't even say her. Uh, so I, um, I found, uh, this woman, Dolores Todd, Mm. um, she was the first female assistant commissioner for the Atlantic coast conference. And I was like, Oh my God, she's awesome. I want to connect with her, you know, just the things that I read about her, like she's, you know, this, uh, record holding track and field coach, you know, um, you know, had just broken so many barriers. I was like, I, I want to connect with her. And, um, so I literally cold called her mm-hmm. at the Atlantic coast conference. And I was like, I just need a few minutes of your time. You know, will you, you know, can you just spend 30 minutes, you know, I'd like to sit down with you have 30 minutes. Um, and, and she agreed to that. And, um, I was looking for an internship. This was my senior year, um, you know, the last semester of my senior year. Mm -hmm. And so um, she agreed to let me come in and and shadow her and like help her. Um, So it wasn't part of their formal internship program. Um, Their formal internship program was a summer thing. um, But she allowed me to come in and help her with the different events that she was working on her indoor, uh, the indoor trip 
indoor track championships, um, their baseball championships, uh, the life skills clinics that they that they put on. It was just it was great to be able to, um, you know, to just watch her and uh, manage kind of like the crazy that comes with different events and organizing these events. Mm -hmm. And that's really when I decided I think I've found it, you know, um, because I was still not clear on what direction I was going to take that point. Um, of course, I decided I'm not going the athletic trainer route, but I want to be in sports. What do I do? And that, you know, working for her really just opened up a, a whole other a whole other, other lane for me to see that, oh, I can work in the front office. You know, I can do events. I can do community. I can do all of these different things that um, that won't have me on the field and won't have me traveling every week or, you know, um, yeah, so that's really uh that's how we connected. I um I kind of stalked her, <laughs> <laughs> which I think like you kind of had to do at that point, and sometimes you have to do now. I mean, I'm not saying to be like you know a little out of control about it, but you know, there's nothing wrong with giving someone a call or sending them an email. I suggest sending the email. Definitely, call, calls can definitely. throw people off a little bit. Um, but like, you know, you and I are the same age, I think, based on when you went to school and everything. Um, and, you know, I happened to be at one of those schools that did have a sport management program, but it's only because it was in Massachusetts. Right. And so, like, I knew about it because somebody else's, you know, brother went to school for it. I had no idea what it meant. Um, yeah. Like, not at all. So, like, at this point in time, you know, you're doing this really cool shadowing thing with this awesome woman and indoor track championships are super exciting. Um, what, like, what are you thinking you're going to want to do as you go forward? I mean, clearly so you've got the, I want to be in sports and the, you know, and in all of this, like doing the whole, like, you know, waving your hands at everything in front of you thing. <laughs> like, I want to be part of this, right? Yes. yes. Like, <laughs> did you, did you have a clear view of like what you thought was going to be, you know, your path at that point? I didn't. I, I knew I wanted. Um, so after spending time with her and realizing, oh, you know, duh, there, there's a front office for everything. There's a front office for, you know, every team, every sport. There are people behind the scenes that are making these things happen, you know, whether it's marketing or ticketing or whatever the case. And so <clears throat> it really opened up. Uh, OK, let's let's start searching for what type of jobs are out there. And as I, as I started that search, cause of course I'm getting close to graduation, you know, at this point, um, and working for her, um, <clears throat> I found, I found a few jobs like, um, in community relations that really resonated with me. I, um, it's like, you know, I've always been a volunteer. I've always loved being, of, I've always loved being of service to people. Um, and, that sounded like it could be something that I could do forever, um, that I would really enjoy, especially, you know, using sports to make a difference. Like that just all sounded 
amazing. And so those are the jobs that I really started applying to. And it's so funny because I'm sending in my resumes via mail. <laughs> yeah. I am, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sending mail, uh, mail applications in and, um, the job that I, of course, ended up getting this uh, year-long internship with the LPGA, I mailed my application in mm-hmm. um, to them, and uh, and I got a call back, and um, it was such a great experience. And again, it kind it one experience just I feel like has led to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, in, you know, over the course of my career, uh, but it all started definitely with the with the ACC. And then, so you've got the LP, you know, you go through this year long internship, which is awesome. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, sometimes our paths take a little bit of a curve, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, so where do you go? Okay, so I, uh, of course, I spend this year with the LPGA. I'm learning how to play golf, like, you know, and getting really good, like getting pretty good. Um, of course, that was many moons ago, and I am not playing as much, and I, my game has suffered. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You've got a couple other things going on in your life. <laughs> But um, so I um, am applying to jobs. Of course, this internship, um, it was a grant funded internship, the PJ Boatwright internship. It's a grant grant funded thing. So I knew it was coming to an end um, and there was no promise of it turning into a full time job. And so, of course, I'm looking, I'm looking and nothing's happening. Nothing's biting. I'm not, you know, I'm not able to secure, you know, anything full time. And so um, I moved to Atlanta. Um, I had family in Atlanta. I didn't want to go back to Charlotte right then um, because I didn't feel like there were enough opportunities in Charlotte. Um, So I moved to Atlanta and, you know, was applying for jobs, you know, like the Hawks and the Falcons and, uh, you know, nothing, again, nothing's happening. And so um, this was definitely like my mom did not understand what I was doing, but I became a (laughs) flight attendant. (laughs) I became a flight attendant for. Stop it. uh, Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's and so, kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely one of those things that I am 100% glad um, that I did. You know, it it opened me up to the rest of the world. You know, at that time, I had only I'd only flown to like Indiana, you know, like mm-hmm. I hadn't my my family did a lot of traveling, but we did a lot of road trips. And so um I hadn't I hadn't done much flying, but I, I liked the flights uh, that I had taken um, again when I was playing basketball um, to the state championship. But it it wasn't it wasn't something that we did. And so um, my, my parents 100 percent did not understand what I was doing and why I was doing it uh, <laughs> when I told them I was becoming a flight attendant. Um but it was it was a great experience. And and so I was a flight attendant for um, a total of four years. Two of those years, of course, I'm spending I'm spinning my wheels. I'm still trying to get into sports. I'm you know trying to get back into sports because, you know, um, it's a it's it's competitive. It's difficult. You know, it's difficult to enter. Um and I'm applying everywhere. I'm using my benefit to go and interview. Oh so gosh. I'm getting in. Inter- 
And, you know, I interviewed with the Tam- uh, with the Buccaneers. I interviewed uh, with uh, the Rockets. You know, so I'm, I'm actually using my... Uh, my benefit to actually interview, uh, my flight benefits to interview, um, but you know, nothing's happening. And so um, it was, I want to say February, March, 2006 that I was like, okay, you know, my efforts aren't working. What am I going to do? <laughs> and so uh, I, someone had given me the idea of going back to grad school, um, going back and getting a degree um, in something that was more meaningful since, of course, I wasn't using my, my undergraduate degree. And um, I started giving that some thought. Um, I came across HR um, and that, you know, really, it sounded like what I should do because I'm, because I believe in, um, bringing out the best in people like that's those are things that I love Mm -hmm. um and so the more research that I did around um the HR field the more you know I I was falling in love with the with the concept with the with the idea of working in it and so I applied to um to get into uh NYU I got in um you know, pretty quickly and back up. Sorry, I'm going to back up because I took the GRE, I think the fall of 2005, because I was, you know, thinking, uh, thinking along the grad school line. So, you know, taking the GRE, you know, prior to, you know, of course, applying. Um, but I applied to NYU. I got in and uh, their HR management and development program. And um, so was going to start in the summer, you know, had been accepted to start, um, you know, and could start as early as, um, June of that two, of two, of 2006, but decided to try one more time to like mm-hmm. get myself back into sports. Like, cause yeah. again, I don't, I don't give up. So, um, That's good. so decide, you know, I decided to, uh, apply for an internship again. I didn't want to go back to, you know, taking an internship. Um, I wanted a full-time job, but, you know, sometimes you just have to do that to get back in. And so um, I applied for an internship with the Falcons and uh, with their community relations department. And, um, you know, I was able to uh, I was able to to get that internship. And it was great because I loved, you know, I love community relations, but I was actually able to get HR experience while I was there. I was recruiting training camp interns. Oh, that's great. Which, yeah, which was really cool, which was like, oh my gosh, this is great. You know, this is my first like real HR experience and I love it. Um, even though it's again, under the community relations umbrella, I'm doing like HR work mm-hmm. and, uh, that just confirmed a lot for me. And so, um, that experience was amazing. Again, I'm still flying at this point. So, um, my schedule was crazy. And when I look back, I don't know exactly how I did what I did. Um, because I was working for the Falcons that summer, Monday through Friday, you know, like nine to five thirty um, in flowery branch. And then I would start a trip typically Friday night, um, you know, out of Atlanta, you know, Atlanta's airport, mm-hmm. and come back Sunday. So I was working seven days a week. Oh my God. Like that entire summer. Um, 
but I loved it. You know, um, I, w- I was doing I was doing so much of what I really enjoy that it didn't even feel like I was working that much. And so um, and again, it was just for a summer. So I'm like, OK, I can do this. And so, um, of course, the fall, I move up to New York. I move my life up to New York. I know no one in New York. Mm-hmm. Um I applied for a job with um, with the MBA and uh, in their HR department, I was in benefits and um, I ended up getting that job. I started school and like two weeks later, like got the interview and, you know, with the MBA and like started like a few weeks after that and um, was continuing to fly because I needed the money, you know, like I, while I was making more money than I did, you know, cause I, the, the, the internship with the Falcons was unpaid. Um, and while I was making money with the MBA, I was like, okay, I have student loans and, and, and I'm now in the New York city area, which is one of the most experience, expensive places in the country. Um, yeah. and so I, um, I continued to fly on the weekends, if you can believe that, wow. um, for the next two years, um, while going to school um, in the evenings. And so my schedule, I, again, I look back and I have no idea how, how I did it. <laughs> but, um, but of course, it was all worth it in the end um, because it propelled me um, you know, to where I am now. Um, once I started with, the, uh, with, the, with, the, with uh, MLB, I realized like, okay, I'm, I'm, I've got to I can't fly anymore. Like my schedule is not going to allow for that because it's, I'm just going to be too busy and too many responsibilities. So what an incredible story. (laughs) I mean, I I just, I'm like, uh, I'm tired listening to you. (laughs) Right. And then I look at the time period. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, this is like right around when I graduated law school and I was waitressing and like, okay, yeah, I get it. You cool. do what you have to do, you know? Yeah. Have you ever thought about doing one of those around the country tours of all of the baseball stadiums? Well, if you do, you can't forget about Arizona and the Cactus League spring training stadiums. Arizona's Cactus League in Greater Phoenix boasts 15 teams and 10 stadiums, all within 50-mile radius. Spring training is so much fun, and there's a ton of accessibility to players, and you get that true small ballpark feel. When you're not at one of the ballparks, you can wander around the city where there are amazing restaurants and bars nearby, including tons of craft breweries. Arizona is also apparently known for its incredible landscapes and thrilling outdoor adventures, like hiking and biking, hot air balloons, and skydiving. And I would totally do that. Um, If you're planning on bringing a kiddo to spring training, Arizona has tons of family-friendly resorts and hotels that offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, including water parks and horseback rides, games, and activities. And honestly, spring training is truly the best. Your kids will never forget it. You and your buddies will never forget it. Plan on your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. That's visitarizona.com slash springtraining. So now you're senior director um, of talent acquisition at Major League Baseball. And um, like as of today, um, I mean, you have been for a while, but <laughs> when yeah. this airs, you are senior director of talent acquisition. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll get to why I'm doing that caveat in a bit. But you, um, 
like you weren't busy enough after the first couple of years of working at MLB and decided to also be an adjunct. I I know I know it, it's one and of in another I, state. <laughs> like what well, are you doing? <laughs> well, the 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 adjunct, you know, Indicott College, it's online, so like I never really had to go in there, you know, except like for like a, a orientation period. Um, I never had to like go back and forth or anything. So, okay. um, but it. teaching is in my blood you know um, it's one of the things that I love to do my grandmother was a teacher she taught um, elementary school for 30 years and um, you know I I think I'm a lot like her Um, and I, I, I love learning. I love that process. And I love helping people like have a aha moment um, about themselves, about, you know, whatever, whatever subject, whatever we're talking about. I like helping people to get to that point. And so I've always liked that process. And um, I felt like I had something to give. And so, um, yeah, you know, and the the classes they were only once a week you know um they were you know a weeknight you know once a week and so uh it didn't feel like too much of a demand really until um like work got crazy so i stopped teaching in 2016 because um there was so much going on uh on the work front you know we were we had spinned off a company and created this separate company within our company, BAM Tech, and mm-hmm. there was just a lot happening. And I felt like, okay, this is this may become this may be too much right now. So, <laughs> oh, listen, if it helped pay off your student loans, I'm all for it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and you did end up, um, you know, so you, I'm guessing you did grad school at night for a couple of years in order to get that degree right yep yep and and you have um a fancy designation after your name SPHR so can you um tell the audience and me because I don't even know what that means yes Yes, SPHR is a senior professional in human resources. It just means that um, just like with any other field, there's a a certification process, um, all these different areas that uh, a senior professional in HR should know um, you get tested on. So, um, you know, similar to a PMP, you know, a a project management professional, um, it's a it's the designation. It's one of the designations in uh, HR. And. I want to back up a little bit to when you were at the NBA um, and you were working in the benefits group. So what is that, you know, for somebody who is going through school right now and they're in some, a sport management program or a quasi sport management program, or they're thinking they want to work in sports, but they're not really sure what, right. We've not really had an HR professional on here before. Um, what does an HR professional or, or, you know, what were you doing? What was your, your daily life like as much as it can be, you know, the same one day to the next? Cause I know it never is, but like, what is, what do you do in benefits? So benefits, you know, um, I'd say my role, especially being that I was coming in as a benefits, benefits assistant, it was that it was definitely, you know, more administrative in, in nature. Um, so obviously, as uh, employees, you're you're uh, entitled to certain benefits, and uh, I was making sure, like each month, that um, our providers uh, were charging us for the right people that they weren't 
you know, overcharging us. Like, so it was checking bills and, um, you know, entering, entering a lot of information as we hired new people. Um, there's a lot of data entry, you know, yeah. um, and, and we did that. Uh, we did that for coaches, players, referees, um, you know, just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of data entry right. at that, again, at that level. Yeah. Um, Again, the HR spectrum is so wide, um, and and that's what I've that's what I've come to know and love about um, the industry, and and that's actually one of the reasons why I ended up leaving the MBA um, because I wanted to see more of, you know, what HR had to had to offer, and there just weren't any opportunities for me to to move into another area at that time, and so. Um, uh, when this opportunity at uh, MLB uh, came available, it's like, oh, this is awesome. You know, um, I had a little bit of exposure to recruiting um, previously, of course, with the Falcons. Um, this was a recru- recruiting role, but um, because the team, our team was so small, I ended up being able to do a whole lot more Um than just the recruiting piece. Uh, I got exposure to compensation, um, we didn't have a formal learning and development department in place. And so uh, just being able to kind of dibble dabble in mm-hmm. um, a lot of different areas within HR. Again, there's, it's, it's so broad um, and that, it, that it's, oh, oh, go, go ahead. On. Sorry. No, go on. Um, yeah. It, it, it's just, it's a, it's, there's so many areas that you can choose from um, that anyone thinking about HR should really um you know, make an effort to learn as much as possible about the different areas to see which one aligns um, most with their personality. Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, depending on the organization or the entity, the size of the total HR team could be one person. Uh, unfortunately, right. there's still some places <laughs> that have zero to which I go, you're a law firm. How, How do you not yes. have an HR person? Like, come on. <laughs> like, friends of mine, they're like, yeah, we don't have an HR person at my at my firm I'm like what um yeah. <laughs> you know or at, 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 a, at the league level I would assume it's often much larger I know we have a few um in our HR department we have one person who focuses on player benefits and like alumni relations um and so like player benefits are often going to be different than what the coaches and what the staff members of an organization get because of the CBA. Yeah. Um, we have um, one woman who focuses uh, almost entirely on recruiting, even though I, th- I think there's some like um, training and stuff that she wanted to do. It's just, we just hire so many people. Um, so it's taking a lot of time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we've got our, our VP of HR who kind of oversees everything and a lot of the larger um, spectrum issues, whether it's like, you know, going through the, you know, the termination process or um, assisting with like getting job descriptions and things like that ready or deciding whether or not to stay with our payroll processor, which is always fun. Um, yeah. And then um, we have another woman who does the majority of like the admin related HR tasks. So a lot of like what you would have been doing, which is like, you know, people who don't come from like a, a 
quote unquote professional family, like, you know, who are a little more blue collar, don't always know about the benefit stuff. Right. So like the health insurance and dental and vision, and there are all these forms usually, hopefully now they're online, but like, there's a lot of that you as an employee are filling out and then that is getting transferred into whatever system. Um, Again, hopefully if it's online, there's none of that transfer because you just put in all the information. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, that's still a process. Um, are there other little niches within HR that you have seen or been exposed to in sports that um, either I didn't mention or that aren't really well known? Yes, there are. And there's actually... Um you know, I'm actually looking into um, to getting a certificate in one of these areas. So um, HR analytics is one of the uh, the growing areas. Um, you know, when you when you look at sports and you look at just companies in general, um, most companies use data for everything. You know, um, you know, how many page views, you know, how many how many folks are going to their page every day, every month, you know, every week. Um and they're using that data, whether internally or, you know, uh, as as a carrot for their for their sponsors, for their uh, for their clients. Um, data is used every single day. And I think that there's so many companies that, you know, have these big HR departments and have so much data and they don't use it. Um, they don't use it to help make decisions. Um and so that's one of the areas that I think that um, I've realized that I like numbers. I like reporting. I like, you know, being able to show, you know, this is where we were. This is where we are now. I, I like that. And so um, I uh, the field of HR analytics really allows you to to take uh, data and tell the story about your employees, what's happening. And um, and then, of course, make recommendations based on like what's happening. So can you give an example um, of what you're talking about? Um, like, how would you use that data, data and like what data points? Yeah, yeah. So you look at turnover. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of companies, they may do exit interviews, but that data never gets utilized like oh they left because you know of salary oh they left because of their managers but it goes into um a nice keeping place Mm -hmm. you know and never gets looked at again and i think that when you're able to look at trends of why are people leaving and are these things that we can fix you know if it's compensation, let's take a holistic look at the, the at the whole organization. Is it uh, is it management? You know, we need to take a look at whatever areas there are. You know, for the reasons why people are leaving, um, and and make changes. And I think that again, I I've seen it so much. You know, just you know, of course, I got, you know, we have lot. I have lots of HR friends, and it's one of those things that. Um, you do the HR interview, you know, you do the exit interviews and then like nothing really happens with the data. And so would that be uh, something that like an individual that would be their entire role or would that be something that's like part of a role? 
Yeah. You know, it really depends on the company. Like a lot of the progressive companies like your Google, your Facebook, you know, your Amazon companies. Those companies are like building actual people analytics teams that um, they're employing people, data scientists um, that are literally that's their job to look at data every day um, to to help form, you know, to help paint that picture um, for HR professionals. They're not necessarily the ones going and making the recommendations, you know, but they're they're cleaning the data. They're um, getting it ready for the business to, you know, to take and do whatever, you know, do with it, whatever they will. And so, um, but then of course, you know, with smaller companies, you know, yeah, it could be just one person that's looking at, you know, all this data and, and maybe doesn't know exactly what to do with it. And like, I'd say right now with me, I'm kind of in that space where I like this area, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what I'll do with it, I don't know. Of course, I'm in talent acquisition and it's the area that, it's one of the areas that I love the most. Um, talent, talent acquisition and diversity, those are areas that are near and dear to my heart. And so um, the data that we look at, um, you know, around, you know, typical recruiting metrics of, um, you know, cost to hire and um, time to fill and, and those type of things. Um, but also we want to look at, you know, um, why are candidates rejecting our offers over time? Um, you know, is it salary? Is it culture? Whatever the case um, that falls within that talent umbrella. You know, that's really, you bring up diversity. And I think that would be a really interesting metric as well in terms of like, you know, how many applicants of a diverse background, I mean, you would have to have them upon application, self-identify, of course, you know, in that extra little fields that you can do in in some of these hiring um, portals that, you know, states that this is not going to be kept as part of their application, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But like how many diverse candidates are applying and if you don't see some sort of parity there, you know, between the spectrum. And it doesn't look like your community, if you're a really local-based type of organization, let's not even make it a sports-specific one, you know, or if if you're a Facebook or a Google, is it, you know, out of your total population, right? Like, just general. Like, that would be really interesting and to maybe figure out if there's a way to increase applicants... Um, of diverse backgrounds, maybe by, you know, hosting in a different location or maybe getting, you know, a, a recruiter who, you know, specializes in reaching out to diverse candidates or something like that. Definitely. And that's one of the things that we actually, while we, um, you know, we haven't necessarily been, um, tracking against numbers, even though there is a report, uh, sports specific diversity report that comes out every year. I think it's done through, uh, UCF. Um, those type of initiatives are things that we've been, you know, concentrated and focused on doing over the last few years. Um, and, uh, we built some great pipeline programs, uh, well, built relationships with uh, some great pipeline programs like All-Star Code and Girls Who Code. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Script Ed slash Code Nation. Um, and these are programs that are um, like All Star Code, for instance. They are um, an organization that um, they're helping um, students of color. Um, boys of color or young men of color, um, teaching them how to code. And of course, they're coming from, you know, um, all different walks of life, um, but they're learning how, learning how to code because there is a huge, you know, diversity gap in technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so our partnership with them, we know that, okay, so these students are in high school. We can't hire them right now. But when they get to college, maybe they start, maybe they think of us as an internship uh, possibility. And once they graduate, because they had a good experience, you know, in the internship program, maybe they think of us um, while they're thinking about Facebook and while they're thinking about Google and while they're thinking about all these big tech companies, maybe they think about us as well because they had such a great experience and, you know, and they might be a sports fan. Right. Um, so we've, um, the last three years, that's been, that's definitely been a focus for us. Yeah. I know minor league baseball has been doing a ton, a ton, a ton when it comes to diversity. I know MLB has been really working it when it comes to, you know, women in sports and, um, and like, there's a lot of really amazing there are a lot of really amazing people within, you know, the league and the teams specifically that are trying to help with these pipelines and the different pipelines. I had this whole long conversation. Um, uh, God, I, I don't even know how long ago it was now um, with Jean Afterman. Um, and she was on the pod and, you know, we've, we've talked about that and um, how important it is. You know, we want to keep talking about women in the front office, right? Like, you know, you've, you've got to get women, you know, at earlier stages of their life and careers, just like you guys are doing with that program. So that's phenomenal. Definitely. Definitely. And that's actually, you know, you, you, you bring up uh, women in sports and, and uh, really, you know, making sure that we're, you know, getting, getting folks to high levels in the front office. And that's actually one of the reasons why I, um, you know, started working with and volunteering with uh, Play Like a Girl. It's one of organizations that, um, you know, that's the focus. You know, the focus is to, um, you know, help young girls become like fantastic, unstoppable women that hopefully, you know, will find their way to um, the highest ranks of sports. Yeah, so talk a little bit more about Play Like a Girl. I know that, I know, you know, uh, Dr. Clay and I have have interacted a few times, um, and a good friend of mine, Dan Morley, is um, on the board um, of, like, the Nashville Tennis, and it's based in Nashville, Tennessee, even though it's national, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. And so what kinds of programming does it provide? So there's a few things. Um, so there are after school, there, there are after school clubs um, for girls to participate in um, where they're learning um, 
you know, different types of life skills, you know, confidence building, those type of things that you really struggle with, especially at the middle school age, because mm-hmm. that's the target, um, you know, girls in middle school, um, because that's the time um, that, of course, horm- hormones are every everywhere, um, specifically with sports. Um, girls drop out of sport at the highest uh, percentages in middle school. Um and of course, I was one of, I'm one of those, you know, I'm, I'm a statistic, statistic, you know, that happened to me. I decided to drop out of sports, uh, you know, at the end of my middle school career. And, um, and so those programs are really intended to, uh, to not only teach a skill, you know, in terms of a, a sports skill, and it's not necessarily sports specific. It really depends on um, the program. Um, so that varies from club to club in terms of whatever skill they're learning, um, but more so on all of those things that, um, that make young women um, become these empowered, bold, confident um, women in the future. So, um, so you have clubs, um, you have camps, camps, um, are more dedicated towards, um, the freshmen in high school, um, that's now moving into thinking about, uh, what they may want to do, you know, when they're, when they grow up. And so there's exposure to, uh, to STEM in sports, mm-hmm. um, STEM related careers um, that you can find in sports. There's so many that so many people don't think about, Um, you know, your broadcast engineers, like your data, your data engineers, your data sciences. um, We employ so many of them, you know, Mm -hmm. at MLB and so many other, you know, ESPN, like you name it, they're, they're they're hiring these folks um, and their STEM, their STEM careers um, where you don't actually have to be like a software engineer to be in engineering. Um, you don't have to be a programmer to, to be in engineering, to be in technology. And so um, the camps are definitely more to expose these girls to um, career options, but also to expose them to to women that they can aspire to be. So there's a there's a, a component where they are um, you know, visiting a front office, whether it's, you know, the Nashville Sounds or, um, you know, the Titans, you know, it's it's an opportunity for them to um, see someone that they can aspire to. Mm-hmm. Um, so the camps and then there's a summit. Um, we do a summit every year and it's more, you know, it's it's definitely it's a one day thing. Um Again, confidence building activities, all of that. Uh, we normally bring in, um, you know, a guest speaker, um, whether it's a former player. Last year we had um, Shamika Holesclaw, um, oh, yeah. a first legend. She came and spoke. Um, so it's, you know, it's very from year to year in terms of what sport, what players coming in to uh, to make that appearance. But again, we think that's important for them to to see um, and for them to hear from them um, that you can aspire to play sports. And of course, there are a lot of folks that will, you know, make professional sports, you know, their career. But there's so much happening uh, outside of sports as well, you know, outside of the actual playing field or on the court. Um, and so those, those camps, those summits, those, uh, we use to, to really show and highlight the different, um, the different areas that they could, 
possibly move into um, where they don't just have to play sports. Again, we encourage the sport, you know, like play sports all your life, um, become that professional. But in the event you don't make it or in the event you change your mind, there's there's an opportunity to stay in the sport that you love. Mm-hmm. And then you guys have um, uh, play like a girl honors every year, correct? Yes, yes. And play like a girl honors. Um, that is, you know, an event where we honor um the champions of uh, girls in sports, those folks that are making a difference in their community um, at the individual level, at the collegiate level, you know, um, the coaches that are that are making a difference, the corporate partners that are making a difference, that are um, that are showing that um, they they're they're committed to to helping girls become the very you know become their very best selves and so um so yeah that's once a year um and in Nashville as well yeah it's definitely a good location to have your uh, your headquarters <laughs> definitely definitely <Yeah. laughs> so um you are about to take another pivot. I am, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which is really, you know, I, I love that you're doing it because I think it's just so cool. Are you, uh, do you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I am uh, leaving MLB and I'm going to be moving into, uh, uh, a VP of talent acquisition um, position for uh, Publicist Media, um, a large advertising and marketing company. Um, it is um, definitely out of my um, wheelhouse in terms of the company size and, um, you know, how large they are, the global aspect of the company. Um, but those are those are a few of the things that are really exciting me Um you know, with this opportunity. Um, and, you know, of course, uh, Pulisic, they have a, a sports and entertainment arm. Um, you know, MLB actually calls on Pulisic. And so there's a relationship there. Uh, I don't feel like I'm I'm stepping out of sports completely because there is uh, there's still that uh, connection Um you know, it's just, it's definitely a, a little bit, a bit of a different world, but, um, I do think this is a growth opportunity for me. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Um, but, uh, and, and of course, uh, my connection to sport, you know, sport is in my blood and, um, and will always be. And, um, my, again, my work with play like a girl, um, will continue to allow me to, um, to express that, that love for sport, you know, um, to, to help girls, um, really be the best that they can be. Um, so I don't, you know, again, I'm sure it'll, it'll be weird not to be in professional sports once I do leave, uh, once my last day comes up, but I'm very excited. I think it's, you know, it's fun. It's obviously a really great, you know, opportunity for you it'll be a new um it'll be a new like world for you to learn but it's sometimes you have to make a move in order for that big growth to happen absolutely so I think it'll be fun and we'll we'll be following along of course if anything fun happens (laughs) Um, thank you I like so (laughs) 
everyone's going to laugh at me because they're like, she's such a spaz. Um, I want to go back to you being a, <laughs> uh, a, a um, to f- doing the flying. And I want to ask, what was your like coolest trip that you did? You know, because I was, because I was based in, um, the United States, I was domestic, you know, I flew for AirTran, which is now Southwest, uh, you know, got bought by Southwest. Um, you know, I feel like I actually didn't go like super cool places, you know, like my yeah. layovers, like Moline, Illinois, nothing, nothing against Moline, Illinois, by the way. Um, but I feel like I didn't, I didn't go to like the exotic places like your Paris and your Australia. Um, but I use my benefits to do that on my personal time and definitely, definitely. And so, um, you know, whether it was Tahiti, um, you know, flew, uh, Air Italia to, to, to Tahiti, um, and spent some time in, uh, you know, Sydney, Australia, like it was my personal trips that really, um, that were the most fun and, um, but yeah, I didn't actually do like the super fun trips in terms of uh, flights. No, you did the- Tahiti. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just need to get to Canada somewhere that's different. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a sad reality of my life up to this point. No, I understand. I understand. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm tell me more about Tahiti. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, what, you know, and this is going to be an interesting question for you because you are making this move soon, right? So this is, um, one of those times when this is actually really important. So like, what do you do by way of self-care? So what I've always, uh, you know, defaulted to is, um, running, running, running is my stress reliever. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm not running marathons every day. Um, I don't know. That's not an obviously to me, you know, some people do that. It's weird. Well, it's hard, but yeah, it is. It is. (laughs) And I I have done that, but I don't do it every day of the year. Um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, a few miles, like really just, they, they help me to clear my head. Um, and so running is important to me. Um, quiet time is important to me. Um, I don't like, I don't watch a whole lot of TV. Um, you know, so reading, um, you know, staying on top of, you know, what's happening. Um, uh, with of course starting a new job, I actually just, uh, picked up a book the first 90 days, um, yes. you know, to, to make sure that, <laughs> You know, it's been so long since I started a new job. It's been 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, since I started a new job because I've been with, you know, MLB for a decade that I feel like, you know, to to make sure that I'm positioning myself in the um, the best possible light and, and putting my best foot forward that, uh, you know, doing some studying on, you know, making sure that I'm uh, I'm doing everything I, I should be doing going into this. Um, but, you know, getting back to your question, um, the self-care is definitely, um, you know, running and making sure that I'm getting enough sleep. Yeah. Um, of course, you don't get sleep. You know, you can't be effective. It's hard to be effective, like long term. I, I don't understand people who can run on no sleep um, and not 
physically run, but also physically run. Um, and just are like, yeah, I only need five and a half. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If you saw no, me, no, on, no. if you saw me <laughs> on five and a half hours, it, you would, it, yeah, no, it'd be like a horror yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I have those nights, right? I have, uh, um, I've struggled with insomnia my whole life and you know, about once a month I have a night or two that I'm like, Oh, nothing's working. Um, but sleep is just, it's so important. Right. And like for mm-hmm. you, as you're getting into the, you know, going to be making this transition, that's going to be hard to do because you're going to be a little anxious. Right. But you know, <laughs> like it's so, so important. And that's a, um, I've heard that that is a great book for when making a transition. Um, so, and you'll have to tell me about it. You know, send me an email, be like, yes, you need to read this if you ever get a new job. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, so how can people like follow along with you? Well, yeah, follow along with you and your career. Um, are you on any of the social or any of that? I am. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter, uh, you know, I think both at Celeste Bell. Um, but I don't, you know, with LinkedIn, I post a lot of um, um, what we've done as a company. And so I imagine I'll probably be doing the same with, uh, you know, publicists once I start there. Um, you know, Twitter, I'm definitely, you know, posting more of my, you know, my personal, you know, whatever races I'm doing, whatever running activity yeah. I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm more posting about that on Twitter. Um, we like that too. I post yeah. pictures of Zoe, you know, it's fine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, because you mentioned them, we talked about them so much. Can you, um, tell people where they can, um, find out info on play like a girl? Absolutely. Um, I play like a girl.org, um, is the website. Um, well, at iplaylikeagirl.org uh, is the uh, website. And of course, that is actually the Twitter, Twitter handle <laughs> as well. Um, Twitter, perfect. Instagram, Facebook. Good. That's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I really appreciate you taking the time. I know it is a crazy period in your life right now. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you having me. And, um, you know, I appreciate the support. <laughs> yeah, of course. Thank you so much to Celeste for coming on. I'm, you know, still in shock about this flight attendant thing. I know it's, but like, I love it. You guys know I love it because my career path hasn't been straight. And I always love when people have these, these little twists and and curves in, uh, in their path. I also learned so much about HR and the different areas within it. Um, that data, data analyst, um, portion that we talked about is fascinating. Um, you know, we talk about analytics when it comes to like sales and when it comes to, um, our social media and stuff like that. We use data analytics when it comes to drafting players, right? Um, there, there are so many other aspects of sports that we know we use data analytics for, and I never thought about it in HR. So that's pretty cool. Um, 
make sure you're following us on all the social at LTPF pod. Uh, join in our conversation at our private Facebook group by searching for leveling the playing field gr- private group um, on Facebook. And you can find show notes on radioinfluence.com. Uh, they will eventually be on ltpfpod.com, but we're not quite there yet with the revamp of the website. And, um, you know, subscribe on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on now or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or TuneIn. We um, always like to hear from you. And on that note, um, I've heard from one or two people who know that I have a habit of writing notes and they would like to be able to send me a note um, in handwriting. So um, on ltpfpod.com right now on the contact page, there is a mailing address now. So um, if you feel like sending me something, you can. That's exciting. Uh, This episode was written and produced by myself and the editing, audio engineering, and design were by Jerry P. Tuck at Radio Influence. Leveling the Playing Field is part of the Radio Influence Network. Thanks for checking us out this week and can't wait to talk to you all more next week. Bye. Hello, pretty ladies. I'm Talia Keen, your co-host of Instant Pretty Podcast. And I'm the other co-host, Abby Kiefer. Our aim is to inform the public of current beauty trends and dig into the science, application, purpose, and average pricing for beauty services. Instant Pretty will be available on RadioInfluence.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play.